Thank you for downloading this Ports Information Podcast from your knowledge partner, coracleonline.com and Port Strategy Magazine for March 2011. This podcast looks at three topics, promises of a good year, joining the dots and strengthen your defences. First off then, and promises of a good year. Being an economist is not easy. Economists are expected to have an opinion on the state of the economy, but are usually castigated for their views. Economists are famous for their herd instinct. There is not much digression in views, and if there is, there is more criticism. Economists build models trying to emulate the world and then try to explain how they work to a sceptical audience, many of whom take decisions by the seat of their pants. Why the cynicism? It has to do with the economics of reality. We have come through the worst recession since the Great Depression and one of the most spectacular recoveries in memory and are now trying to work out what the new year has in store for us. Prior to the recession, Carriers, terminal operators, port authorities and shippers alike worried about congestion and the length of the supply chain. 2010 finished with volumes that reached the 2008 heights and 2011 promises to surpass those levels and, lo and behold, there is no congestion, no real shortages. Some terminals report that they are a bit tightish, but what's changed is the velocity of boxes through the terminals, freeing up landside stack capacity, often the bottleneck, not the key. The best news, of course, has been on the financial side. Almost all the carriers made significant recoveries and retreated from the brink of bankruptcy, and terminal operators have seen a return to levels of revenue that allows them to seriously think about new expansion projects. With slow steaming, shippers are managing their supply chains better, and their need to get products from point of landing to the retail store much quicker. This has a significant effect on the carrier's revenue, as turnarounds are quicker, and for terminal operators, the ancillary portion of their revenues are improved. Economists appear to have lost some of their herd instinct. Projections for this year vary substantially with growth rates for the main trade routes ranging from 3% to over 10%. Our money is on containerized trade growth of 8% on the major routes. Now, joining the dots. February's opening of Vietnam's largest ever container terminal has at last crystallised the country's true potential in the box handling market. For many years it has been all about the conjecture in Vietnam, a massive terminal here, a channel deepening there, a promised improvement in infrastructure here, the possibility of direct calls there, and so on. But the emergence of Vietnam as the new China in manufacturing got pulses racing. Throughput managed a modest 2% growth in 2009, where other terminals around the world were floundering. So the big name circled, committed and then waited for the dream that is Vietnam to materialise. And the opening of APM Terminals Port, joint venture Kai Mep International Terminal, suddenly makes it all real. The facility will be the first in Vietnam able to handle the world's largest container vessels of 11,000 TEU. The hope is, of course, that fellow AP Moller Maersk Group subsidiary Maersk Line will commit to the hub. It currently makes use of rival PSA's terminal, but has hinted that if the price is right, it will switch to CMIT. CMIT is just one of the five new deep water terminals in the Thievai Kai Mep port complex, which will be operational by the end of 2011.
It was started in 2009 to overcome the capacity limitations of Katlai and Vietnam International Container Terminal, VICT, in Ho Chi Minh City. What the Thivai Kai MEP terminals offer is close access to sea lanes and deep channels. However, what they don't yet offer is that promised concomitant improvement in infrastructure. Much of Vietnam's containerized cargo still moves by barge to and from inland ports in lieu of road and bridge construction and improvement projects. These infrastructure improvements are crucial if these new southern hubs are to ever meet their proclaimed capacities. The point hammers home just how important it now is to view the port as a part of the whole shipping chain. State-of-the-art container handling technology on dock means nothing without the means to move cargoes to and from the terminal. APMT, for its part, describes Asia as a growth market and that Vietnam has realised that more ports are needed. But infrastructure issues are pressing and now that the terminals have delivered, it's time for Vietnam to join up the dots to truly compete on a world container handling stage. And lastly, strengthen your defences. Disruption to Egyptian ports during the anti-Mubarak protests and storm-induced closures of terminals and choking of commodity supplies in Queensland have had executives urgently checking their insurance policy wordings. Covers respond in varying ways and much depends on the extent of perils listed in a given insurance package. Ports are rarely a deliberate target for shutdowns during disturbances and many policies exclude loss or damage resulting from strikes, riots, civil commotion and terrorism. Some port organisations do consider it worth paying something extra to buy separate cover relating to civil unrest. A more significant factor for insurers in the last decade has been the emergence of severe weather incidents. Underwriters tend to impose a catastrophe deductible which relates to recognised windstorm, flooding and similar perils. That inevitably will be higher than the standard operational deductible. They will look very closely at ports that are in zones perceived to be at special risk from earthquakes, high winds and flooding. As they gauge the risk, underwriters especially want to see how efficiently terminal operators tie down their equipment, including expensive gantry cranes on wheels or tracks. A freak windstorm after hours can push a crane down the track to collide with another gantry crane or the accommodation block or communications tower of a ship at berth, resulting in substantial claims against the port operator. The formidable nature of such challenges was illustrated when a tornado touched down at Freeport Container Port in the Bahamas for a mere 10 minutes in March 2010 and toppled a port crane, killing three people and injuring six. In all, six cranes were damaged. A subsequent government-ordered independent inquiry called for improved communications in relation to wind speeds and made the point that emergency preparedness throughout the Caribbean and the Bahamas was geared towards hurricanes rather than tornadoes. In the insurance market, a storm will be assigned a category number and if underwriters take this into account, there will be a greater deductible for the higher category storms. When port clients make a claim, they will have to bear a good portion of the loss themselves. As to non-weather interference with trade, the standard policy includes any business interruption that is classified as wet, an example of which would be a ship getting stuck and blocking the entrance channel to a port so that other traffic is held up.
This fundamental element of a port's insurance package is recompensed on a per-day basis. The dry element, such as cargoes held up on land on their way to the port, is normally the subject of separate non-marine coverage. Thanks for listening. 